What's up, what's up, everyone? It's Danny Green here, back with more Inside the Green Room. And this week, this is me, my guy, Harrison Sanford, my co-host. We're going to discuss the race for number one, a couple of awards my teammates are chasing, also some of the similarities and differences between my teammates now and some of the greats that I've played with in the past. So let's get into it. Stick around for the end of the show. You're going to hear a comparison between Manu Ginobili and Furkan Korkmaz. It's a pretty unique story about one of Danny's former teammates. Uh, Danny, before we start talking about basketball in general, though, uh, you recently got vaccinated. How do you, how do you feel? I feel fine now. Uh, you know, it took a day or so, maybe two, where uh, some little symptoms would come and go. But uh, yeah, man, I, I think it's a, it's a good deal. It's a good thing to do. Um, obviously, some people are weary of it. Um, some people question it. Uh, but I guess the sooner we get everybody on board, the sooner we get back to normal. And obviously, you know, for us, we had some incentives to do so, where we don't have to test as much. We don't have to wear a mask as much. Um, so yeah, I'm just looking forward to that, you know, more so than anything. Yeah. And I, and hopefully as more and more people get vaccinated, uh, that will allow for Wells Fargo center to be more and more full, especially for a playoff run where you guys are aiming for the number one seed. And we're going to talk about that, uh, later on in the show as well. But before we do that, Danny, as you were referring to with vaccinations and sometimes people just, there are a group of people who don't necessarily believe in getting vaccinated or don't feel confident in getting vaccinated. And I think you and I have learned, I'm vaccinated as well. Um, I think you and I have learned as oldest brothers, you have mm -hmm. younger brothers, I have, I have two younger brothers myself. We mm -hmm. have learned that sometimes you give advice, you, get, you try to lend your knowledge, and then sometimes you just let it be. And that, I, think, <laughs> I think that's how you operate. Uh, I think you've gotten a lot of experience with that, I would say. For sure, man. Even my teammates. Um, it's a good and bad thing. Um, sometimes, you know, you, you know yourself better than anyone else. Um, but we know our brothers. A lot of times, you know, our family better than they, than they think they know. Um, so we try to give them the best advice. Um, sometimes it goes in one ear, out the other, um, which is to take some things with a grain. So I'll tell my teammates that, too. You know, Doc is going to cuss you out with something. You still have to play your game. You have to be who you are. Uh, so some things, you know, it's OK to let go in and out, you know, one ear, out the other. But most things grasp what he's trying to teach you, uh, what he's trying to tell you, and find your way about going about it. So, you know, I try to give them as much advice as possible. They take it, cool. They don't. And a lot of times with them, it's always, I told you so. I'm at the point where I don't, I don't even care to say it anymore. But yeah. um, eventually they'll be like, you know, I probably should have did that. And I'm like, well, you know, I try to tell you, but, you know, it's how it goes, how the game goes. But, you know, thankfully my teammates, they listen to me a little better than my brothers do. And speaking of brothers, uh, I'm catching you. You're in Philadelphia right now, but you were able to actually stop off in Delaware. Tell us, tell everybody why. Yeah, my brother had an AAU game. They're finally opening up the gyms now a little bit to have some AAU games. He plays for New York Rens, uh, 15 under, 16 under games. Uh, it was in Wilmington, Delaware. We got a chance to check it out. It was one of our off days. Luckily, during the season, we have two days where we have no games. Uh, and that very rarely does it happen. But I was able to go check out one of his games and see him play. So if your brother checked your stats, would he? how would he think about your defensive performance throughout the course of the season? Would he? Would he? Would the stats justify? No, uh, probably not. Think? I don't think okay. so. I think you know. I think my stats never justify what um, a lot of us role players are able to do on the court. They only show numbers, which doesn't tell the whole story. Uh, they're probably oh, you only get you know one steal a game. This, but I think a lot of us are more effective than what our stats show. Oh, you only average this, but what you bring to the table, what your value is of you in space on the floor or running the court or communicating or defensively staying in front of someone uh, may be better than actually getting steals and blocks. So I think stats don't tell the whole story. 
And I think as younger players, as younger kids, they look at the all-star stats and think those are what they need to be. Um, so I don't think many young kids or my younger brothers or, or even the average fan will look at our stats and be like, oh, you only did this tonight and you played that, you know, what are you doing out there? I did my job, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think my, my stats defensively show what I would like them to show. Uh, I say that because, well, one thing before I even get to that, I do wish that they normalize or NBA statisticians normalize uh, giving out the deflections as a stat because you oh, guys sure. as a team get number get a number of deflections. And even if that deflection doesn't turn into a steal, it resets the entire offensive possession. They have to start again. They might have to take a contested jumper, all those things. But the reason why we bring that up is because there's a tradition that we have happening nowadays where every once in a while, I'll get a text from Danny after a game and he'll say, yo, they missed my block or they missed right. my steal. I don't know where they're going to. I am not over here trying to reclaim stats from somebody else. I mean, we're not in the business of doing that. But maybe it's somebody feels, and that's not, not this co-host, that there's some stats missing from Listen, his man. box scores. Listen, man, I don't say they missed it. I just say, look, there's no way. I, but I remember I had at least one steal. Sometimes on the, on the sheet will say no steals, no blocks. I'm like, yeah, there's no way that happened. I had at least one steal, one block, I had a, and I'll think of a play, and I'm like, I remember I definitely got one. Uh, but there was one stat that I will bring up that I think they need to change. And I don't know if this has changed yet or not, or rule. Uh, okay. But the half-court heaves, the end of quarters, that should be a free play, I think, instead of – because I think it, it can help a team, but it hurts the player. Guys are more likely or less likely to take the half-court heave or the shot at the end of the quarter because they know to hurt their percentages. But, you know, in the long run, it could help the team. You know, it should be a free shot. So if you make it – yeah, it should count as an attempt. But if you miss it, it shouldn't count as an attempt. But, you know, I guess it's the nature of the game where they can't really, I guess, change that. I think it should be changed, though. It's true, though, because at the end of the season, right, as people are evaluating you, coaches, front offices, media mm-hmm. members for awards and things of that nature, they're going to say, oh, well, you shot X percentage. And you're going to say, well, this year I took 20 half-court heats. I took 20 end-of-buzzer does- and extreme the, the, low likelihood of making it but just end the shot clock but i'm not just saying end the shot clock but end the quarters for sure we can't do end of everything but end of quarters for sure because especially if it's beyond three quarter court or something like that or beyond a quarter of the court so if it's you know almost half court and beyond i think you should go get a free shot inside the green room is on social media make sure to follow us on instagram at inside green room and on twitter at green room inside now back to the show oh listen to this danny despite the fact that you feel like you've gotten some stats taken away from you at 1.3 steals a game that would actually tie for your career high, which you had last year. Not bad. Just imagine if they caught all of them. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> no, of I'm stats. just messing around, man. I'm just messing around. But sometimes I'm looking at them like, oh, they gave that steal with Joel. They gave them, all right, man, I, I'm used to it. I've been in situations or organizations where the steal would not come to me or go to the top guys. So I, I get it. It happens. I can only really think of the Lakers game uh, back in January and that jazz game right before the all-star break where you actually played a top tier team that was fully healthy and not no, no COVID protocols, no injuries that are happening. It feels like those are the only two games that you've had where both teams have been at full tilt. Am I, am I getting that right? And how do you feel about that? Yeah, I think you're right, man. It's been strange uh, this year. We haven't had many, any games, especially the top tier teams where we had everybody healthy on our side and their side. Uh, there's always been Joel out, or they've had somebody out or two people out or we had three people out. Even last game when we played the Clippers, we've had 
two of our starters out and Dwight. Um, so it's been a strange year with said the COVID situation with injuries, uh, the short season, uh, you know, compact. Um, but I think in the long run, it's going to build character, especially for us and those other teams. But it, it's been a weird year, but it, it was good to see those matchups. Um, even with without them, it, it was always a fun game. Um, it was a battle even against L.A. Uh, but yeah, each one of those games, we got a chance to step on the floor and get better as a group and our younger guys get a chance to prove themselves. Yeah, and, and as we, we've seen from the last two playoff runs, I'm thinking back when you were in Toronto and we saw minutes uh, for, you saw Norman Powell have great minutes at Eastern Conference Finals. If I think back to last year when you were with the Lakers, Taylor Horton Tucker started a playoff game. Uh, so you never know how important guys on the bench are going to be. So this season can be, you know, a blessing in disguise in that way. Uh, with that being said, and as you're looking at the team and you've just been on two teams that won a title, I know you like to you like to spray to all courts, but just pick one for me, please. Mm -hmm. If there was one thing that needed to be corrected as you guys are chasing this number one seed and chasing an NBA title, what would it be? For our team? Mm -hmm. I think defensively, the biggest thing that we've been trying to work on and get better at and change is our transition defense. Um, I think we're top five in defensive, but in the bottom five in transition. If we change that, we could be number one and that would make us a way better team. And that starts with communication and, and just getting back. Uh, so we have to be more disciplined and communicate better. But if we change our tra transition defense, we will be a, a lot better team defensively. I feel, I, I, maybe for the, as, as Ben would say, maybe for the casual fan, it might be a little bit hard to understand why transition defense can be Difficult. I assume some of it might be just cross matching because ben at, his, ben at his height might have a different size defender on him. And then that kind of creates a whole mismatch all around the court. Is that one of the reasons can allude to it a little bit more for me? For sure. Uh, it's definitely the cross matching and just us not matching up when subs come in, um, you know, communicating. Uh, we have When you have a young team where guys don't know how to really communicate as well and you cross match guys think they need to find their man instead of finding a man, um, you have a lot of breakdowns. We've gotten better with it. Um, but we could have a, you know, we could do a lot better. We have tons more strides in that direction of, of communicating and talking and getting better. Uh, but with the cross matches, uh, the matchups and the youngness of our team and the lack of communication uh, of us talking with both units uh, is the reason why we have some mishaps, but we're getting better with it. Imagine how, how much better you guys can be. You're already the number two defense in the league. If, if you guys up that, uh, that would be, uh, you guys would be, you're already scary enough as a defensive unit. That would only help. Uh, with that being said, and the reason why you're a scary defensive unit, not just the entirety of your connectivity as a team, especially in the half court, is because you have a guy who's 6'10", can guard multiple positions. Uh, mm -hmm. But recently, Danny, that we've seen, more than likely, Defensive Player of the Year award goes to the big man. Um, mm -hmm. Give me the case briefly, because we've heard a lot of the cases <laughs> recently. Yeah. Give me the case why it should be somebody else other than a big man. We know why it should be particularly Ben, but like, why should we go away from the big man being the defensive player of the ward standard? I don't think it's something you need to go away from, but I think you go toward the person that's deserving of it. And years, big men have deserved it. Um, as the game has changed, I think you have to give it to somebody that can guard all positions. Uh, and that's the reason why, you know, I would push and fight for my teammate, Ben, of course, uh, because he can guard multiple positions. Not that saying that those guys can't, but I think he can do it better than those guys. Um, I've seen there's instances where people say, oh, so-and-so had this many points on you still. I would like to see how that person would have or how many points that person would have against the other guys that you have in the defensive race. Um, you know, it's in, even Rudy Gobert, he's great 
Um, you know, Miles Turner is great at the rim, they're protecting, but if they actually had to guard somebody on the floor or chase people around screens, you know, Ben's able to have, he's had to do that too, chase people around screens and guard bigs at the same time. Coach of the year is going to be real hard for Doc to get because Monty Williams and the Phoenix Suns, they might get that number one seed in the West. And that's going from, you know, playoff bubble, it's going from the bubble, not making the playoffs to all of a sudden being the number one seed in the West. It's going to be very hard to beat them. Um, and yeah, most improved player, more than likely, is going to go to Julius Randle for what he's done for his personal game, how he's elevated the Knicks. Uh, but the MVP award, Joel, has has a very good case for it. Only thing against him is pretty much the game's played. But what I like about what he's doing, Danny, and what I what I think you might enjoy about Joel, you know to be tempered with what you say. You're not mm-hmm. always as blunt as you could be. Joel. Yeah, I have a filter. Very, yeah, Joel is like, yo, I'm dominating this dude. I'm dominating this guy. I'm no putting him in the hole. No filter. I'm playing defense. These guys ain't playing defense. I'm dropping 30. I'm dominating these kids. I think he likes to troll other guys, get in other guys' minds, and that's why he does it in the media uh, before they match up with him. And part of it is a lot of them, those guys are scared of him. Um, but said he has a very good case because we're number one in the East. Um, he's been holding us down, and he's the reason why. Uh, he's been averaging a good amount of points and rebounds for us. Um, and his presence at the rim defensively and offensively of what he changes the game for us. Um, so, yeah, he has a great case. Uh, it's hard to deny him. The only thing said is injury. But as you look at the other guys that were in the race, they've went through injuries as well. You know, Bron had gotten injured. Giannis had gotten injured. Um, you know, so there's so many injuries throughout the league um, that he's right back in it. The only person that hasn't gotten injured is Jokic. Um, you know, obviously Luka, but they're not in a, a, a great seating spot. Um, there's some other guys. I mean, Steph has been playing unreal. No, but a lot of guys have had injuries and said that's the only thing that would take him out. But he has a, a pretty good argument, a pretty good case. We're back with more Inside the Green Room. I'm Harrison Sanford. That's Danny Green. Going to take a step back and look at some of Danny's former teammates and how they compare to his current teammates. So uh, we're going to do like either two or three here. Uh, Danny, how, when you think of Tim Duncan, uh, mm-hmm. who comes to mind? Timmy was one of a kind, man, different type of dude. But uh, on our team, the person I would think as similar as Timmy would probably be Joel. And not because of on the court tactics or how he plays or how he operates, but more so off the court. Um, the tunnel walk-ins are amazingly unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I guess the outfits that Joel, Joel wears the same thing every day. He doesn't care. You can tell he doesn't care. He's going to wear Under Armour or Philly or Sixers hoodie. He's going to wear slippers, barely wear socks half the time. And it might be snowing out. It might be, you know, below zero. He's still going to have his slippers and probably some sweats and a, and, a, and a hoodie. I'm sure if Timmy was allowed to do that, he probably would do the same. But Timmy was the most chill guy. And San Antonio was a lot warmer, so he could wear flip-flops or sandals and shorts and look okay. Joel, it looks kind of crazy when it's snowing outside or it's, you know, 20 below, and he's got no socks on with some Ugg slippers on. Uh, but yeah, they're very similar in that aspect of it. They they do not care about, you know, what they look like when it comes to the game. They don't care about fashion or being fly or being fresh. So they come to business and they take care of business. So what about Manu Ginobili? Uh, I'm going to say Furkan, uh, because Manu is such a passionate guy. Furkan's passionate too, but such a passionate guy. He really didn't need to be coached. Um, he kind of coach himself and cuss himself out loud or cuss in different languages, but be very intense as the game. If he made a mistake, you know, he might kick a chair. He might get really angry and more so at himself than anybody. Furcon's like that. He's the guy that, you know, he misses a shot or something goes wrong and he don't like going wrong. He probably cuss himself out in Turkish 
um, which kind of caught me off guard the first time I heard it. It was interesting, but I see that similarity a little bit too. I won't like, don't you, isn't there a part of you that wishes you almost had like a translator? So you can say, hey, yo, don't be, oh, so, sure. don't be so hard on yourself. Like you want to know what exactly you say it. I don't even need a translator to say that. I already know it, it sounds violent and vulgar. I'm like, bro, relax. It's not that serious. But yeah, it, it's always funny, man. Interesting. Are there any other teammates that had some bad qualities that you don't miss? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a, a neat, I'm going to say neat freak, but I'm an organized guy. And usually I have some guys that don't respect the gun line. Have messy lockers or locker rooms. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, OG was one of those guys. Sometimes my clothes might go missing. He might take it. You guys know OG well. There's also a real one teammate. I don't want to name him right now, uh, but he was really bad. He was just a klutz, man. And there was one time, you know, he's the type that said he might run out of gas on the highway. He might, you know, leave his keys somewhere. There was one time we we're coming back from a city. I forget where we were, but we we're in San Antonio. We were trying to make it out to go out somewhere. Um, he forgot that he left his car on when we left for the city so his car had died he had no battery it's a push start can't just you know start those up he was like all right can i get a ride to my apartment we go to his apartment he left his keys with his housekeeper or his cleaning lady or left it at the, the airport in the car so we had to go back to the airport or go somewhere else to his cleaning lady's house to get in um but it was a whole ordeal man where he would lose and leave everything all the time and it would take you know extra hour or two just to get places to get something done uh, so by the time we got anything done there was no time to even go out or do anything uh but he was topped up the whole night He's one of those guys that if he didn't have, you know, his limbs or his body or his, his, his brain attached to his body, he would probably forget it or leave it at home. So uh, I do not miss some of those days of, you know, dealing with some of those younger guys. Our younger guys are actually pretty good. Our rookies are, are not as airheady. Um, they uh, do well for themselves and they're a lot more ahead of the game than the ones I've had in the past. Yeah, Doc Rivers actually just recently said that uh, this low minute group uh, that you guys have that was one of the hardest working that he's had or the hardest working group that he's had in his coaching tenure, which is uh, good for them and obviously good for you. Danny, you've been pretty good this year, keeping uh, the vibes of the team right. Uh, and you've been somewhat uh, good at not getting technical fouls. There's no. been times before where you've had more than, more than you would have liked. Yeah. Um, but now what I'm realizing over the course of your career is that you're also making friendships or relationships with these referees who are giving out technicals. Obviously, Dwight Howard is leading the league in technicals right now. Um, can you give some people some insight about the relationships that you actually have with these referees who are giving out these monetary fines, my friend? Uh, I think it's gotten, I mean, over the time, it's gotten a little, I mean, the league has cracked back, so I get it, and it's their job to follow the, the, the rules and the boundaries, I guess, the new boundaries. Um, but you've been in this league long enough, you know, 11, 12 years, Dwight's been in some, we, we, these guys have been around too. So we've known these guys for, for years on end and, um, you build some type of relationship. Some obviously may respect you, some may not. Um, you know, I've had different relationships over different times. Um, end of the day, you know, they're going to be, uh, I guess a little more, I wouldn't say lenient, but you know, for the superstars, they're going to probably talk to them more, the captains of the team to talk to them more. Um, being one of the older guys on my team, I'm able to try to, be the facilitator or the mediator uh, between, you know, Doc is going to yell at him, cuss on Dwight is going to, you know, cuss at him with some other guys. So I try to approach them differently. Uh, but we have, a lot of us have, you know, relationships with these referees, especially now that we see them in testing. They test with us in the morning on the road. Um, but it's funny that you talk about it because Dwight actually got thrown out of a game because one of the other referees didn't realize he had a relationship with the other referee. He says something in a joking manner, uh, you know, about, you know, just call him ugly, ugly dude, didn't like that. And then he got mad, upset, gave him a tech and threw him out the game. 
But, you know, he didn't realize that him and Dwight have that type of relationship and that they joke around all the time. Um, so, yeah, I actually had a relationship with him. And, I, and one of them kind of cussed me out. was like, man, you kept me in that bubble longer than we should have. You just made that damn shot. We would have been out of there four days earlier. But, you know, that's the type of relationship we have with some of those guys. And it, 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 it sometimes it's fun in games and sometimes it's, it's intense and, and harsh. But, you know, it's still a relationship end of the day. Yeah, for sure. I, I imagine you see these guys all the time. It's only a matter of time before you become uh, close with them. I am surprised, though, that you still haven't picked up a tech for trying to pick up the lean into the defender three-point shot, which which I must say, Danny, I thought I thought that wasn't going to be you, dog, but <laughs> I, I, I ain't mad at it, but it hasn't, it hasn't worked out yet. Maybe it will. Man, listen, it's not part of my game. I'm not good at it. I get that. Um, sometimes it's looked bad. Uh, yeah. Times I felt like I, I thought I did get fouled, uh, but I just never get the call. So I'm probably this moment forward, probably not going to try it anymore. Uh, I will at, at some random moments may try to get one, but I said, I, I don't get the same type of uh, respect, I guess, as other guys. They're like, oh, you jump into the side. I'm like, well, guys do that. That's what they, that's what they, I get a foul. They jump out. We got to go north, south. Um, either way, man, I'm I'm not going to get it, it seems like. So I might as well just stick to my, if I'm going to pump fake sidestep, good for, you know, for a better look or just watch him fly by him instead of trying to jump into him. So it hasn't worked out. So I'm trying to stick to what I know. Yeah, because, I mean, you are shooting, especially in the corners this year, you're shooting like 90% on contested looks. You might as well just take the contested minus the body contact. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I would have known that, I probably would have just shot. I didn't know that, but. No, I was exaggerating. Oh, for sure. I mean, you have been pretty good at contested shots from the contested threes from the corner, but nah, 90 would be. Nah, that it's always a rhythm thing. Yeah, you tell if you feel you're in rhythm, max if that was the case. For sure. It's always a rhythm thing. If you feel in rhythm, you take the shot. If you don't, or even if the other team, you try to get them the bonus or try to get them in foul trouble with certain guys, try to punish them for jumping. Furkan always does a good job of getting it somehow. Um, but I said I haven't gotten there yet. So something to work on. Yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Uh, hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be back next time for Inside the Green Room. Make sure you follow us on social media. Instagram, Inside Green Room. Twitter, Green Room Inside. You know what time it is. DJ, what you got? Read, rate, subscribe, review. Yeah, check us out. You know what it is.